It's been a long time having here, and uh, nice to see you guys. So before we begin, I'd like to thank uh, Christy from the music team for leading us in songs. I also want to thank Wimpo for leading us to pray to God. And also a public service announcement. Whenever you see Uncle Wimpo leading service, please do not wear yellow. <laughs> but more seriously, um, today the Bible passage, uh, don't flash the Bible passage today. Okay? Why? Ah, today, we are going to try to warm up our brains. So let me read to you. I'm going to read to you the Bible passage for the sermon. And then your job is to remember as much as you can. And then you will tell each other the Bible passage. Yes, is it okay? So you're supposed to memorize that. Eh? I'm supposed to tell you the... So I'm the one with the cheat card because I have the full solution in front of my face. But just listen carefully. Before we begin the Bible passage, I'm going to recap for us what we just read for the responsive reading. And in the story of responsive reading, there was a Roman emperor called Caesar Augustus. And then he issued an order where everyone in the entire... Uh, can you just off the slide? Yeah, just use our imagination. Off the slide. Yes, thank you so much. So everyone in the entire Roman world had to go back to the hometown because of that order to register themselves. And then from the town of Nazareth came a man called Joseph. And Joseph must go back to his hometown called Bethlehem. And then he went back with Mary, the woman who was supposed to marry him. By the time she was pregnant, and they arrived at Bethlehem, but there was no room for them. And then so she gave birth to a boy and placed him in the manger, and that's a box they used to feed the animals. Right? So that's what we read, the responsive reading, the story so far. So who is this baby boy? Why is it so special about him? We're going to find out. And how we find out, I'm going to read to you the Bible passage. I say again, if you want, just close your eyes, remember as much as you can. Okay? One, two, three. Look to verse 8 to 18. And there were some shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What kind of good news? Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favour rests. And so when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the 
baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Well done, Uncle Lucky. Now it's your turn to participate. <laughs> so for you, I want you to find a, one person next to you and try to tell the story to one another. This is not a test. This is not a test. There's no, right, uh, there's no uh, marks given or whatever. It's to help you to remember the details of the Bible passage, to be more active in listening. Okay, so I'll give you some time now. So just turn to the one person next to you and recall as much as you can. Help one another if you forget the details. Okay, thank you so much for doing that. I hope you managed to just recall more of a passage. And now, I'm going to read to you the same passage, but this time, this time you must fill in the blanks without no, no words on the screen. Eh? I'm going to read, and then you shout out the answer to me, okay? One, two, three, verse eight. And there were... Very good. See, so easy. Living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over the flocks at night, and angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be I bring you that will cause great to order. Oh, very good. So today, in the town of very good. A saviour has been born to you and he is the? Oh, I'm not sure. One more time. He is the? Messiah. Okay. Comma, the? Comma, the? No, he really a saviour. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He's the Messiah, comma, the Lord. Ah, okay. Yeah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a? Manger. 
Ah, I cannot get it wrong. Huh? <laughs> and suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom His favour rests. Then the angels had left them and gone to heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to... Very good, Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Very good. Give yourself a clap. Very good. Yeah. So today, I'll go home with half my salary because you do half the job. But now I'm going to ask for one brave volunteer to come on stage with me and to tell the story to all of you. And don't worry, I will not ask the boy with a yellow shirt. <laughs> so someone in any other colour shirt, <laughs> preferably an adult, yeah, preferably an adult, so not so scary. To do. Just come on stage. There's a, at the end of your, of your ordeal, I'll give you a present <laughs> from my own pocket. Your Christmas present. Someone just wants one brave soul? It's called salvation by memorization. <laughs> no, seriously, just to encourage one another. Can someone come on the stage? Or do I need to call? Uh, call, uh. <laughs> So I will call the man who wear the red shirt next to the boy or yellow shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Only Jesus can wash your robes. <laughs> come, come, come. Why did my son ask to sit right in front? But okay, yes. I'll take over. Also, retell the story all over again. Oh my goodness. Uh, shepherds. Um, okay, okay, okay. I don't take video. Lah. Okay, the shepherds. Um, oh my goodness, cannot do this. Okay, the shepherds outside in the field and uh, watching over the fields. The sheep? Oh, this is fun actually. Um, then angel appeared. The glory. Shone, oh, shone over the diffuse. I don't know what that means. The shepherds are afraid. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, then the angels again. <laughs> Told them not to be afraid. <laughs> Bring you good news and great joy, yes. I think you should just take over. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, that's where he talked about where the baby will be lying in the manger, wrapped in cloth. Um, and the angel. Oh, the angel praised God. Ooh. <laughs> and the shepherds went over to, to look for where, where? to Bethlehem to, 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 to look for the baby in the manger I hope so wait, 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 wait don't go, don't go despite all the, after the humiliation here's a prize for you <laughs> Keep it, keep it. Thank you so much. Yeah. This is not embarrass you, but the, 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 the price it will be part of the sermon. <laughs> okay, so friends, I hope by now you more or less know the story. And so the story you just heard and memorized, it took place a long, long time ago, more than 2,000 years ago. And to help us to understand the cultural context, the setting of a story, I'm going to take some time just to explain to you and then so you appreciate the story better. So you see, at the time, the people were living in a powerful empire called the Roman Empire. And so you can see from the slide, it stretched as far as from Hispania, which is Spain, in the west, all the way to Armenia in the east. So that's about 5,000 kilometers. In those days before, there were aeroplanes. So even if you take an aeroplane, you click on it, even if you to fly, it will take about eight hours from one end of the empire to the other end. That's amazing. No internet, no aeroplanes, and you could control the whole empire. So at that time of story, the one man, the one man ruling the vast empire, he was called Caesar Augustus. So Caesar was so powerful, children, that whatever he said, it became law. And so he wanted to maintain his control over the empire. So Caesar needed to raise money. He needed to raise funds. By how? How does a king raise funds? By taxing everybody. So he issued a decree, a law, an order for everyone to return to their hometown to register. But not only does it mean that the people of Israel were conquered by Caesar, not only must they give money and obey and do all the travelling, they also means that they are reminded, reminded that ah, one more year we are under the control of a foreign power. They are conquered. So humiliating. And not only that, I must give money to the one who defeated me. So it was what we call in Hokkien the Bo Pian situation. No choice. So next one, next verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. So what this means is Joseph's great, 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 great ancestor was King David. And Bethlehem was the hometown of David. So Joseph, what must he do? He set up shop in another town called Nazareth. So he must close his business in Nazareth while he traveled back to Bethlehem to go back and report but he did not travel alone why? 
because he had to bring along Mary, the woman that was betrothed to him. They were supposed to be his wife soon. But the woman who was supposed to be his wife soon is pregnant with a child. So in the last few weeks of sermons, we heard that Joseph had not yet married Mary and this child was not his because he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. But because Joseph must leave Nazareth and go back all the way to Bethlehem, he could not leave the pregnant woman behind. That is not nice. So he took her with him. And verse 5, So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. So, let's think about it. If I were Joseph, by now, I would really, really question God whether God is in control or whether Caesar was in control. Because I wonder whether God really cared for his people, right? Conquered people, keep losing to all these foreign powers. And not only that, for Joseph, his life, his plan A, his first choice was to marry this girl called Mary and then start a business in Nazareth and raise a family there. But now he bopien. No choice. He has to close his business, travel back to Bethlehem with a heavily pregnant fiancé, and the child was not even his. So that was his plan B. B for Bo Pien. So for your children's uh, help to understand, it's like we have a first choice, but something happened, you can't have it, so you have to take your second choice. It's like canteen break. You, before your canteen, you read in a, during a class, during your Chinese lesson, you really imagine your favourite chicken rice. Then you run during canteen break, but oh yeah, the woman selling chicken rice on MC today. The shop closed. Nothing left to eat. So no choice. Your plan B becomes to what? Eat the spicy, maybe Malay food. Yeah. Or maybe you're waiting to go for CCA and you want so hard to be in that sports team. And you go for audition, but they just say, not good enough. So no choice, you must take a plan B, which is another CCA. Or for those who are doing your exams, you have a plan, your plan A to go to this particular school. But your plan A, plan B, C, and you finally no choice, your last choice, you go there. So it's not a nice feeling. So why plan B? Because for Joseph, travelling to Bethlehem means he'll lose money, right? He has to close his business in Nazareth, take lots of money to travel. It's a one-week journey. One-week journey travelling to Bethlehem. For what? Just to give more money away to Caesar. It's really a lose-lose situation. And not only that, Mary was already at full term, heavily pregnant. So this means that the journey to Bethlehem was not safe for her to travel. At the same time, it was also scandalous because you don't want to go back to your hometown to see all your uncle and auntie with your pregnant girlfriend. And then the worst thing is, like Michael Jackson, you will say, the kid is not my son. And that's a bit old, the joke. <laughs> so anyway, clearly God in Joseph's mind didn't plan Joseph's plan A. So Joseph, no choice, had to settle for plan B. So was God really there 
does God really care? But Joseph was a man of faith. So in another book, the book of Matthew, an angel appeared to him in his dream and explained to him the child is from God. And so Joseph obeyed God, took care of Mary. And, but despite his faith and obedience, as we have just seen, his life was getting more and more difficult. So you see, my friends, sometimes you know, we as Christians, we got a wrong idea. We think that if, how do you know you're doing God's will? You tell yourself, oh, if all things go smoothly, this must be God's will. Right? In uh, Chinese, they call it Shun Shun Li Li, no? You go to the temple, you pray, well, Shun Shun Li Li, Shun Shun Li Li. And so some people, they, they always think this. But sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's true. You know, when, when you've got, sometimes we, he, he opens up all the doors for you. But not always. Because sometimes, as we see in Joseph's and Mary's case, they clearly obeyed God to keep the baby and the marriage, but their life situation went from bad to worse, became harder and harder. You see, obeying God is not because you hope that after you obey God, life will be better. You obey God because God says so. Even it gets messier at times. And how did it get messy for Joseph and Mary? So their travels never ended. As they travelled for about one whole week, and this time, mind you, eh, they travelled, no Uber, no Grab, one whole week on foot. They were so tired, they are looking for a place to rest, and by the time they arrived in Bethlehem, they have a surge in demand for guest rooms. Because everybody has to rush back to the hometowns. So it's never enough guest rooms for everybody. It's like panic buying, you know? Nothing left on the shelves for you. In the next picture. So I don't know if you can remember this panic buying scene. You know, everybody rushing for toilet paper. So even if Joseph and Mary had money to pay for the search pricing, there was still no room left for them to pay. Get off the slide. So Mary then, he has to give birth in the middle of nowhere. No attendance, no nurses, nothing, no comfort. And the only place they could find that night to place the little baby boy. And all mothers will know this is your greatest nightmare. Your newborn child in a smelly manger, a box they use to feed animals. So, why did the Bible record all these? Right? Record these details, great details about a birth for a lowly couple in lowly circumstances under the oppression of a high king called Caesar. And why record the plan B of Joseph? Because he was unable to implement his plan A. Who then is this baby? And that's where the portion where you memorize the text, and now it's the payoff time. Let's go and dig into the text. So without God's explanation, probably Joseph and Mary are like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so God explained to them. But who did God choose to use to explain to them? Who did God choose to reveal His plans to? Interestingly, He chose to reveal His plans not to the high king Caesar, not to the wise people in the temple, but to a group of lowly shepherds. 
Shepherds in those days were lowly ranked servants because the pay was low, the job was hard. You have spent outdoors day and night under the heats of the sun or the cold of the night. It's a kind of job that nobody wants to do. Yet God, interestingly, sent the angel to reveal his wonderful plans to this lowly group of angels. And that's what the angel said. The angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. By now, the man in the red shirt will tremble with traumatic memories. <laughs> so, first, the people to hear of the good news that brings great joy were the lowly shepherds. And what was the good news? Next verse, verse 11. Can you read it? One, two, three. Let's read it together. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So I'm going to unpack just one verse today. This verse. There's a lot in this verse. Okay? So firstly, the phrase in the town of David, it refers to Bethlehem, David's, King David's hometown. And click. Why? Because about 700 years before this incident, the prophet Micah, he foretold that the location of the birth of the new king of Israel will be in Bethlehem itself. So one prophecy is really fulfilled here. And you would recall, it just so happened that this fulfillment of a prophecy is because Caesar Augustus, a non-believer of God, who wanted to raise money for himself, called for a census for the whole world to go back to the hometown. Who did God use for his plans to take place? And so that fulfilled the, prophet, the prophecy of Micah. Perfect timing. Next, the next one, you click. Here, you see the word Messiah. The Messiah is the promised king. So about 1,000 years before this story, Prophet Nathan told King David that from your line will come a king whose kingdom will rule and last forever. That is the Messiah. So in just one verse, two prophecies already were fulfilled. And the last one is the Lord. The Lord here, in English, when we say the Lord, it has two meanings. One, because it means the highest one, right? The, the, the master. But if you look at the original Greek word, it actually also could be used to refer to the Lord, Yahweh, the personal name of God. In other words, this verse is saying that Jesus, the baby, in the town of David, he's a promised king and he's also God. Which is why, because 700 years before this, another prophet called Isaiah also talked about this. He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So in just one verse, three ancient prophecies were fulfilled. And none of this is done by man. God engineered everything. And so the fact that Joseph's fiancée, Mary, was pregnant, even though she did not have sex with anyone, it fulfilled the prophecy. And so when you look closely, little did Joseph see that the difficult times of his life, his plan Bs, were all part of God's plan A, the fulfillment of God's plans. That three prophecies 
are being fulfilled as if life got worse and worse and worse. And verse 11, it says here, what is God's plan? Right? Today, in the time of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus, God, born as a man to save us. So the next question we ask is, what exactly do we need saving from? What exactly do we need saving from? So I remember when I was a non-believer, I was making my plans, my wonderful plan A, to have a good and successful life without God, to experience all the happiness possible that the world offers. But then everything begins to fall apart. My job was too demanding. My social life was almost zero. My love life was in a shambles. So my plan A collapsed. And then I, there was, then I have Christian friends kind of talk to me. So my plan B was what? To talk to a pastor. So I went to make an appointment with Pastor Chris. So Pastor Chris, don't tell him, only my plan B. <laughs> so one evening, I was making my way to meet him to seek some advice, I had to cross Adam Road. You know this famous bridge at Adam Road next to our church, the photo here? This very long bridge. Yeah. So I remember the long bridge at night, about 8pm. That every step I step on the bridge, I suddenly remembered, one by one, the sins that I committed. The things I did just to drown away my pain of loneliness. The sins I committed just to forget the meaninglessness of life. And even the sins that I conveniently forgotten all about it, they came back to me. Step, step, step. Everything came flooding back to me. It was as if God was shining a very, very bright light into the dark corners of my heart and my mind. By the time I finished walking to that bridge, there was a heavy burden on my heart because I realised I was a great sinner. I had so many sins, like in Chinese saying, they say, Diao jing huang he ye xi bu qing. Throw me into the Yellow River, all my sins can still not be washed away. Because my sins were so many, and if God had sh shined even more light into my life that night, I would have fainted on the bridge. And so over the next few days, Pastor Chris explained to me the gospel, the good news of God coming to the world in a form of man, not to be served as a king, but to serve as a servant, to die for our sins, to take away our sins, because we can never wash away our sins on our own. We need Jesus to be our saviour. And amazingly, in the Gospel of Luke, where we just read, one of the first people that God revealed about his wonderful plans of salvation was to a group of shepherds, unimportant people, lowest among the servants. Why? Why? Because no one, my friends, is too high in your social status that you don't need salvation. And no one, my friends, is too low in your social status that God cannot reach out to you. It's nothing to do with our social status. So I was preparing this sermon. I was reminded of the story of Peter. Peter is one of the migrant friends that we met over the last few years. Uh, he's the one with his hand in a biryani. So he said, uh, 
Uncle Bill's house. So we met to catch up and they are Christians. So Peter shared with us his story. He said his plan A was to come to Singapore from India to earn money, to have a good life, to save up. And when he arrived in his dorm as a fellow worker, told him about the good news of Jesus. However, he just brushed away. He was not interested. There's nothing to do with his plan A. Then in 2011, he lost a lot of money. So much so that he lost heart. And he shared that he was so depressed that he climbed out the building, stood on the edge of the building, because in his mind, there were no more plan Bs. No more plan Bs. But just at that moment, he saw the Lord Jesus. Then he climbed back down. A few days later, he followed his friend to go to church. And then he got saved. He gave his life to Jesus. And ever since, he overcame alcoholism. See, friends, I'm not sharing this story as a commentary about our different lifestyles or social status in Singapore. I'm sharing this because that evening, we heard Peter's story. I realized how easy, how easy for us to forget who Jesus is. We forget that he is God. And we forget that he's a savior. He saves because he is God. And his name is God Saves. Because today in the Tower of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. Only God can be your savior. No one else can be your savior. And because both Peter and I have the same need for Jesus to save us, we can now bridge our cultural differences and even become brothers in Christ. That evening, all of us, the little room, we shared our stories of salvation. And by the end of the evening, we declared that the biryani was good, but more seriously, we declared and we stand amazed that how great God is saving one lost sheep at a time across the world. But when we get proud as Christians, we forget who God is, that He's our Savior and our need to be saved. We go back to our old habits of making plan A's for our own happiness and our success. It's only when we remember once more the goodness of being saved by Jesus, then our pride, our pride will melt away. Then great joy will come back into your hearts once more. So we can continue to have faith in God even when we have to face and give up our plan A's and to embrace our plan B's. Because in reality, my friends, because of our great pride, our plan B's, our bopians, our no-choice plans, are actually God's plan A for us. In other words, disappointments, my friends, disappointments in life are very often the divine appointments of God. Let me say again, our disappointments in life are very often the divine appointments of God. Because all the while, when our plan A fails, when we will settle for some plan B, it is God's plan A for us. He's in full control. His good 
pleasing and perfect plan to do what? To remove our pride so that we can finally receive His joy and His peace. Because like Caesar, plan A's are always filled with pride. And like Joseph, plan B are designed to humble us, to make us trust in God more. Only then can we retrieve the joy and peace that we sing about in Christmas. So my friends, let me ask you a question. As 2023 comes to an end, how has your year been? Has it been filled with increasing joy and peace? Or is it a year of disappointments where we keep transiting between plan A to plan B all the time? So you just now remember that the, I gave a prize for the brave young man that I, I volunteered him to memorize the survival story. And maybe you can just lift up the prize and show everybody. Yeah, so it's a very small thing over there, but I have a picture over here. It's a 2024 Muji annual planner. <laughs> so for the rest who did not get a planner, your Christmas present from me today is the sermon. <laughs> but why did I give the planner? Because as 2024 comes around the corner, it might be good for us to use a planner, whether it's hard copy or digital, not to make plans for happiness anymore, but to write down every day what we can thank God for. Write down every day even our disappointments, our anxieties, our pains. Then you begin to trace day after day His invisible hands in your life to see His amazing plans to transform our character, to remove our fears and our idols, and to make us more like His Son, Jesus. To give us real joy and peace every day. Because every day, God wants to prune away the parts of our character that don't bear fruit. So by seeing His hand in all things, we can be thankful for it. We can guard our joy at all times. Because what seemed to us frustrating right now, or an inconvenience or delay, is actually God's plans to save us from our pride and our sin. Because disappointments are actually divine appointments from heaven. Because we have already received the good news as His people, good news that will bring great joy for all people. Let us go to God in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for not giving up on us. We who are so stuck in our pride and our plans. Yet in your perfect plan, you came and rescued us. So save us from our pride, save us from our plans for ourselves, and help us to be humble like your son Jesus, who was born in a humble manger to embrace your painful plans for our salvation. And so may we see each day the continuation of your perfect plans to mow us more and more like your son Jesus. And so together with the angels, we shall sing, Glory to you, Lord, God in the highest heaven, because on earth, peace to those on whom your favour rests. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.